Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. tough sledding. I mean, you know, like when I, when, when Brother Stillen started praying for me out here, I said, this dude's going to open for me and I got to go on after him. I said, help me, Jesus. I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I thought we was like Paul and Silas in the prison out there. I was like, man, this dude, this dude praying to half that. And I'll tell you something, man, he done, man, he done preached me happy twice. Cause within the last hour, so I don't even like I just everybody's good night. That's all I know to tell you is you should have been out here in this prayer circle. You, the real message went down out there. That's where you should have been. <laughs> all right. Hey, I got some some stuff I want to share, but the very first thing I want to share, y'all Bible believing people around here. Uh, so I'm going to take a prayer scripture that I want to open with. Then I'm going to flip this thing around and we're going to use it to give glory to the king of the universe. You ready for this? So everybody's always talking about praying, 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 right? And so the majority of people's praying is normally asking or complaining or all this different stuff, right? So I, I just want to, I want to open up like this. Are you ready? I know that you all have heard of Jesus. So in the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus says this. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, now listen, anything, he says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on the earth concerning anything that they ask, it will, it, it, it didn't say I, I, he might. It says, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? That's not the most important part of this verse, ladies and gentlemen. See, this is, verse 20 is far more important than verses 18 and 19. You read this? This one says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So do this. Stand up and give a hand clap of praise to the king of the universe because he is for over a week and it's a good thing because I didn't hardly sleep a wink last night I tossed and I turned and I mean and it wasn't nerves or anything like that it was just man it's just this I mean it's just it's this vibrating it's this thing's been vibrating inside me for weeks I done preached this message a hundred times in the last two weeks and ain't no one ever heard it but me and Jesus. <laughs> uh, I walk around the house. I was literally five hours last Sunday walking around the house praying. Lord, what are you going to say? What are you going to say, Lord? See, I can't. Nothing that I can say can help you. Huh? 
I may give you some kind of nice, cute, motivational speech, something like that, right? But I can well, I, nothing I can do to help you. But I can give you what the word of the living God says. Come on, brother. Come on. And that will carry you through every storm. You ready for that? Every storm. Every storm. Light storm, heavy storm, F5 hurricanes, and tornadoes. That's right. Huh? We don't have tornadoes in Kentucky. We have tornadoes. Yeah. So the title of the message tonight is called, There is a Cause. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want to kind of just tell you a little fun story about how I ended up here. So like a year and a half ago, I got this Facebook friend request. And it came across my phone, right? And it said, Nate Wilcox. I said, I said, who's this, right? So, you know, like I kind of heavily screen my, you know, because like you get involved in, with some nuts, right? You know, not that Brother Wilcox, he's a nut for Jesus. I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to come on down here with y'all, okay? I'm, I, I like to be out here amongst the people. I don't know how many mess the speakers up or whatever else. But, so check this out, right? So I flip on his facebook page and his profile comes up and i said this man looked like john the baptist <laughs> and then i started reading his post right and i said this is the only man i've ever met that's as radical for jesus as i am and so then i was like so then, so then i started watching this cat right and then i was like I was kind of like King Herod. I was like, surely this is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead, and this is the power that's at work in him. So I was like, so I started watching this, right? So, you know, so I was like, man, I like this dude. He's rowdy. And I like that. You know what I mean? I like that. I used to ride bulls and bucking horses. I like, I mean, I like to, I, I have to keep it contained. See, it's like all this praying, Brother Stevens out there praying, praying, to, praying, 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 preaching, all this different stuff. I mean, it's, I got to be careful because, like, I get rowdy quick, right? So one drop of Jesus just about turns me into, like, the Incredible Hulk. So I've been listening to all these, all these people out here praying, praying the house down, this beautiful praise and worship music. I'm going to tell you something. They don't need to call you all the Bell Fountain Church or the West Liberty Church. i tell you what they need to call you. They need to call you Hell Shakers is what they need to call you. Uh, hell Shakers. Right? So when I met Brother Wilcoxon for the first time, we met for the first time at Half Day Cafe, right? He comes strutting in there and he sits down in front of me, you know, and I was kind of looking, but I didn't want to be weird. Because I was looking to see, I was like, is eight honey or wild locusts in this dude's beard? Or what? Right? So then, so then we go over there to Bell Fountain Church, and I meet Brother Ed Green. And Shine's got a picture of me standing next to Ed Green. Now I'm five ten, or six foot two and seven eighths of an inch with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> and Shine gets this picture of me standing there with Ed Green. And I'm looking at Ed, and he's taller than me in the cowboy hat and everything together, and I'm looking up at him like this. And I was thinking, you know, I didn't know that Goliath of Gath had people in Bell Fountain. But he's got family in Bell Fountain. I said, this is a giant man. And then I listened to him really preach for the first time the other night, and I said, my God, this man is a spiritual giant. I, said, I mean, he about caused me to knock my phone off in the dishwater. I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to listen to Brother Green, and he's over there talking about Elijah was a meat cutter, and I was, 
and he's preaching on one of my favorite texts, man, and I'm just getting cranked up, you know. And I'm like, you know, I'm shouting and hooting and hollering. Dad yeah, said, he couldn't hear me. I said, we might have been able to hear me. I don't know. I said, tell him, Brother Green, tell him. You know, and so I was shouting and, you know, dishwaters. Go, I'm trying to get everything ready for the trip, you know, and this and that. And that, it took about, uh, well, I listened to Brother Green and them, so it took me probably three hours to do what I could have done in an hour and 15 minutes. But I got distracted, right? You ever get, I like to get Holy Ghost distracted, right? That's what I like to get, right? So I click out on you sometimes. You'd be sitting there looking at me, and I'd be betting my eyes at you like a toad frog in a hailstorm. You know, and people think, what's wrong with this guy? You know, and the people that know me know, oh, he's thinking about Jesus. But then the people that don't know me, they're like, this dude's a weirdo. <laughs> I don't mind being a weirdo for Jesus, right? And so then I got to thinking, I was like, man, how am I going to open? Because I like to cut up, and I like to laugh, and I like to joke. And so I was thinking, I said, you know, so look. I said, you know, it'd be funny if I went up there, you know, and I said, if I did something like this, and I said, finally, the rock has come back. And I thought, no, nah, there's a wrestler that does that stuff, so I can't do that, you know. So, but in all honesty, I want to just say thank you all. This is such an amazing honor. I mean, it's it, to preach the word anywhere is an amazing honor. There is no greater honor on the earth than to serve the Lord. There is, there is no greater honor, right? So you, whether you're preaching at the dollar store, your job, on podiums like this, huh? and I'm going to tell you something, I'm thankful for my friend Nate the Baptizer. And I'm thankful for my friend Ed Green. And I'm thankful for so many of the faces that I look out here and see because these men grab you up, right? And Brother Stillings and these brothers sitting over here. And Brother Terry came and he said, hey, I got a word. He said, I got one scripture I want to share with you, right? So he didn't even know. I mean, I don't know that he knows me from uh, Adam's house cat. But he just come up and he said, hey, man, the Lord said share this word with you, right? So he come up and gave me the word. And I was like, yeah, that's just confirmation to me. He shared the scripture with me, you know. And so before we get before we get really started... If you're here tonight and you have any type of sickness, disease, plague, infirmity, weakness, addiction, we're going to pray for you. Come on, bro. That's right. Because the power of the living God is still, is still here. There's no, there's no short circuit in the power of God. Huh? You know, he could heal every type of sickness and disease simultaneously on the earth. And you know, you ain't even going to blink a light bulb in heaven. That's right. That's a fact of the matter. See, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul gives us this beautiful prayer. And he begins to pray. He says, I pray to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Your heart would be flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Then it says, and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Then he gives you the measurement of that power, which is according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that's named. That's the same power that's here, available tonight. Wait, either the word is true or it's not. That's just as true as John 3.16, ladies and gentlemen. 
Huh? Uh, you can hang your hat on John 3.16 and 3.17. You can hang your hat on Ephesians 1.19. That's right. Amen. You can hang your hat on Mark 16. These signs will follow those who believe. That's right. You're right. These signs will follow the believing ones. They will lay hands on the sick. And, and it says, the Bible says, and they will recover. That's right. That word kalos there in Greek means to be fully restored, fully right. made well. That's right. So don't turn his I wills into his he mights. Come on, brother. That's yeah. right. So by nature, I'm a teacher, right? I'm a Bible teacher. And that carries an immense burden far greater than a Bible preacher. Because, see, the Bible teacher carries the burden of making sure that each and every word that he says is understood. So that way, the people that are listening can grow thereby, right? Because, see, Jesus taught you, if you read the parables and you read all of them, he says the word that is, he said the, the word that is the sown, it's the word of God. And he said, and the one that the birds of the air come and take it, he said that's the word that's sown, and it landed on the ears of the people, but they didn't understand what was said. And the enemy came and took that word. So guess what? You can hear all kinds of emotional preaching, tears of flying, snot of slinging, look like a big PBR bucking bull coming out of the seat. Huh? I listened to an evangelist at a church in Jellico, and bless God, he started in Genesis and topped every mountain to Revelation. And when he got to the end of his sermon, I couldn't tell you what in the world he was even talking about. I said, I don't even know where we're at. What are we talking about here? I listened to this dude scream and holler and shout and go on for 45 minutes. And by the time we got done, I said, I, I, I've not learned a thing. I have not, I don't even know what I'm doing here. How did I even get here? I, kind of, I, was, like, I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. So all of that has always, that's always burned inside of me to make sure because you go far more in-depth teaching than you do preaching, right? But, get this, in all the years that I've been ministering and preaching, going into this, the Lord said, for the very first time, He said, I want you to preach this one. So what we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose. Come on, come on. And just, let, and just show you what the Lord can do. Now, see, there is a cause, ladies and gentlemen. There is a cause. So I sit in this meeting, like last Friday, with all of these what I consider spiritual giants, Ed Green, uh, Robin Riggs, Brother Wilcox, and Shannon Meyer, all these people, and they're talking, right? And they're talking and talking and talking and talking, and, and they're going around the table, and I'm, you know, after about two or three, I was like, Man, I'm a 22 bullet in a, round, in a room full of tank ammo. I said, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I really hope they forget about me, you know. And every, every 45 minutes, either Ed Green or Will, Brother Wilcoxon would say, Hey, Kentucky, you still there? I say, I'm still here. And I'm counting people, right? I'm looking at faces on this thing, and I'm counting. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is this one. This, I'm like. 
Man, they're going to get to me eventually. What in the world am I going to say? Because, I mean, man, I mean, this was three hours and 23 minutes of straight preaching to each other. I said, man, what am I going to do here? I was like, oh, my gosh. So it's kind of like this. You know, I felt like in that minister's meeting, I started out the underdog. And then Brother Stevens comes up here, preaches the house down, and I got to start out as an underdog behind him. But that's all right. Thank God the Lord loves an underdog. Huh? So if you have a Bible with you, go to 1 Samuel 17. This is where we're going to start. Now I'm going to give you a little bit. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read this whole account, and I'm going to give you the foundation for what we're going to talk about. Right? So just remember... You know, you cut down a big tree, you got to cut out the underbrush before you can get that big tree. So the first part of this through 1 Samuel is cutting down the underbrush. Then we're going to get to the big tree. You ready for this? So, you ready for this? All right. Starting at verse 1, 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Now, it's important to understand that going into this, the prophet Samuel has already anointed the boy David as king over Israel. In front of his daddy, in front of his brothers, in front of the Lord, and everybody. So guess who's not happy about it? His family. And even Samuel said, he said, Lord, you got, you make me anoint this boy in front of all these people. Saul's going to kill me. The Lord said, don't worry about it. I got it. Right? So that's building up to this. Now see, he's a boy. He's a boy. He's probably 15, 16 years old at this point in time, right? So then starting at verse 1, and we're going to read quite a bit, but it says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and they encamped between Soko and Ezekiah in Ephes, Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Philistines stood on one mountain, and Israel stood on the other mountain, and the valley was between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now, a cubit is about 18 inches, and a span is about nine. So if you did the math, you'd come find out Goliath was about nine foot, nine inches. And an interesting fun fact is, is that if you know anything about body mass index calculators, a healthy weight for this guy would be 425 pounds. A perfect BMI for Goliath would be about 425 pounds. That's a big problem. Yeah. All right. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the coat weighed 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 U.S. pounds. So his coat weighed almost me. <laughs> Like 85% of Rocky Brown, right? I'm weighing in at about 151 pounds, so you do the math. All right, now it says that he had a bronze, he had bronze armor on his legs, a javelin between his shoulders, and it says the staff was like a weaver's beam, right? We're going to skip down here a little bit. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to fight me. He said, hey, you bunch of sissies, send one man down here and let's do this thing. Yep. Right? And it says, and he's, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if he can't whoop me and kill me, you're going to be our servants. 
That's trouble, isn't it? And he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now when Saul and all Israel heard the words of this Philistine, it says they were dismayed and, and what? And greatly afraid. They looking at each other going, I know you can't go through. <laughs> I done seen you take, you done went down in the second grade when that girl dropped you with a left hook. You, you, you ain't whooping this boy. Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Huh? That's what they said, right? All right, then you come to find out that, the, that three of the brothers of David are there, right? Now they jump down there. And it says in verse 15 that David occasionally went out and returned from Saul to his father's house to feed sheep at Bethlehem. And then it says that the Philistine drew near, presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. He's walking out twice today. Huh? Any of you sissies going to come out here and let's get this thing on, right? I wouldn't fight Mike Tyson. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's one of these situations. If the Lord don't say to you, you go down there and whoop that boy, you better just stay put. Yeah. If the Lord don't specifically tell you, hey, me and you going to go down there and handle this guy together, you better just sit down and shut up. Right? And talk about it. I wonder who's going to go down there and whoop this guy. Right? All right. Now, you come to find out, verse 17, that Jesse sends David down there. He says, take this bread down there. Take the cheese down there. Find that, bring words back about your brother, right? Because see, Jesse, at this point, he's old. And he's got three sons out to war. He wants to know how them sons are doing. So he sends the youngest down there. Take them some cheese sandwiches, right? That's, that's tough sledding. You eat just all you got is cheese sandwiches. Think about that, right? Take them some cheese sandwiches down there and bring me a report of how your brothers are doing. All right. Now it says that, at verse 19, it says, Now Saul... And they and all the men of Israel were gathered at the Valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Well, that, you know, that, it says they were fighting, but really they just kind of they just kind of hollering back and forth across the valley at each other till Goliath come out there. And they're like, them boys are like, oh, yeah, nah, I don't think I want to do this no more. I'll go back to my tent. <laughs> right? All right. Now, it says David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took things. And that was good. Jesse commanded him, and he came to the camp of the army. And was going out to fight, and, 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 and just as they were going out to fight, shouting for battle, they trying to psych each other up. Man, today maybe uh, maybe Goliath has went horse, and he can't come out here and challenge us today, right? Huh? That's what you're thinking. Maybe he decided to go somewhere else and mess with someone else. That's what they're hoping for. And there you go, right? All right. Now it says for, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array. Army against army, and David left the supplies in the hands of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. So what's the very first thing he do? He runs right up to his brothers. How y'all doing? Daddy sent me to see how y'all doing. Y'all doing okay? Y'all need anything else? What's going on here? Right? You know how it is. These were people. Real people. These biblical people were real people. They didn't glow a funny yellow or gold color as they walked out. I mean, they were real people just like me and you. You, you see what I'm saying here? The real people. It's oftentimes, you know, it's oftentimes presented like these biblical people's kind of like the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like they got some kind of special, you know, that you don't got. Well, that's a problem. All right, now it says as he talked with them, that the champion, Goliath, by name, coming up, he came out. Then it says the men of Israel, he said, spoke the same words, same exact thing. Have you bunch of sissies found anybody to come out here and fight with me one-on-one? -on -one? 
And they said, nope, we sure ain't. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> right? Hopefully by then, the Lord will have sent someone else. Right? All right. And it says, then all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Not nowhere near as tough as what they thought they were. Right? Then it goes on, verse 25 says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills the king, will the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter. David would love to regret that one. And <laughs> that's the truth. You look that up. I ain't poking fun at you girls. I'm just saying Dave got a, David got a bad draw right there on that short go-round. <laughs> you say, well, you go on and read that. You'll find out. You, read, you people's Bible people, you read that and find that out, right? You, you, so anyways, right? And so they go on and they're bragging and bragging and bragging about all the stuff the king's going to do. What are you trying to do? Well, they're trying to talk somebody into going down there and fighting this big turkey, right? So that way somebody will finally get enough courage to go down there and fight this man, right? And it says, now watch what this boy says right here. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what should be done for this man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now see, where's their mind at? I'm a member of the army of Israel and this boy says, you're a member of the army of the living God. Perspective is important. Come on. If perspective is very important. And the people answered in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. So they go back and they repeat all those things, right? Now we talked about that. David got a bad draw on the wife right there. I mean, it's just that's the way it happened for him. All right, now Eliab, his oldest brother, when he heard him speak to the men, it says that his anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to battle. Now, let me break this down for you. See, Eliab was standing there when the man of God, the prophet Samuel, took the horn and poured out that anointing oil on his baby brother's head. So who's speaking here, Eliab or jealousy? Can you see that? Who's got a hold of Eliab's tongue? See, Eliab don't got no idea that the Lord done sent this boy down here and he's going to handle the problem. So sometimes your family going to try to knock you off the path what God's called you to do. Huh? So this tells me that when I get a word from the Lord, I got to do this, and people will come to you and they'll say, oh, no, no, you're wrong. Who do you think you are? That's what, he just, that's what just happened to his brother right there, wasn't it? And then he goes to making fun of him, trying to belittle him. Can you see that? All right, now watch, now watch what the boy says here. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward the rest of the crowd and said again, said, he said the same thing. What did he say? Is there not a cause? Now, it goes on and it says that the words that David spoke was reported to Saul. And, it was, and then David finds himself in Saul in front of Saul, and it says, look what this boy says right here. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, hey, don't let no one's heart fail. 
because of this heathen. Your servant will go out and fight the Philistine. This boy either knows he's got the Lord with him or he done his cuckoo clock done cooked his last cuckoo. This little old 15, 16, five foot seven, and maybe I kind of picture him in my mind about 100 pounds. He ain't as big as Goliath's leg. Huh? Think about that. Can you see that? Not even as big as Goliath's leg. He said, don't you worry about it. Your servant will go out there, and I'm going to jack slap this sucker. We've got to get rowdy. Huh? Come on. That's what he said. He said, he said don't, don't even let your heart fail. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Well, then Saul says, what? You, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are youth. And he's been killing people from his youth. He's been a man of war from his youth. You're a boy, and he's been killing people, whooping people, stomping people all over this countryside since he was a boy. That tells me they knew who Goliath was before 1 Samuel 17. Can you see that? What's David say? Now watch. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came out and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by, oh, I caught that thing by its beard, boy. And I'll tell you what I did with it. I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. Yeah, that's right. Ain't that what it said? Yeah. That's the word. And kill it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and the, uncircumc uh, the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of these, seeing he has defied who? The army, not, not the armies of Israel. Perspective's important here, ladies and gentlemen. Who? Armies of the living God. What's got David fired up here? I don't like how this man's talking about my God. Moreover, now watch. Now see, if you just stop right there, you'd think, who is this arrogant, mouthy little boy who thinks so highly of himself? But now you've got to get the whole picture and see where David's confidence is. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he might deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. No, he said, the Lord going up there with me, all I got to do is show up and the Lord going to show out. Did he, did he say the Lord might do it? He said the Lord will do it. So he had a word from the Lord, didn't he? Can you see that? You start talking like this, you're going to make people mad. And you better get used to it. I didn't come. I come here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. I didn't come here to hear people hoop and holler. I come here to talk to you about the Lord that will, 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 will deliver you from the power of the adversary and all of his power. Will. But you're going to have to believe that he will. That's right. 
See that? There's no wishy-washy here with David. Can you see that? Well, Lord, if it be your will. No, he said, no, I'm going down here. The Lord doesn't tell me to go down here. I'm about to jack slap this turkey. I'm about to put him down. And Saul said to David, and the Lord be with you. All right, now, you're going to come find out this funny thing that he says that Saul tries to put him in his armor. Now, let me give you a little perspective here. Is that you come to find out earlier in Samuel that Saul, and I'm looking for someone I think can whoop this giant. I'm looking for the biggest dude I can find. If Bruce Lee ain't available, who we got next? If Chuck Norris ain't available, who, who we got next? I'm looking at you, Saul, who's a head and shoulders taller than I am. You're the biggest one here. Won't you go out and whoop him? You want me to go out and whoop him? You go out and fight this guy. Right? Now, it goes on down here. Now, I wanna, now we're going to skip past a little bit. Because this is, you got to understand, we're just cutting down the underbrush here. See, I ain't even got to, the, we ain't even got to the big tree yet. So 41 says, the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before it. So this ain't just one on one with Goliath. This is two on one. He got a giant and then a shield bearer in front of him. Why, don't you think that guy cheat for Goliath if it looked like the fight's about to go the wrong way? Sure he would. Sure he would. And it says that when the Philistine looked about and saw David, it said he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. Reminds me of me. <laughs> I, probably not, but, you know. Right? Hey, you're gonna have to you gonna pat yourself on the back. You can't let other people you can't you you gonna have to take care of yourself. Come on, Brother Cock. You understand what I'm saying. Alright. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed the boy by his gods. You hear this? And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the, David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The Lord of what? Most modern translations say host. The Hebrew here says Sabaoth. That's the king, captain of heaven's army. Is what that, he says, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, who's the ruler and captain of the armies of heaven. Who you think you are? He done jack slapped Lucifer and kicked him out of the mountain of God. That's right. Who you think you are? And he's with me. It ain't me you got to worry about. It's the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts that you got to worry about. I ain't your problem, baby. You got a way bigger problem than I got. You might be able to take me, but you can't handle him. And as a matter of fact, your mama and your papa and your five brothers and all your army and all the hosts of hell and everything else, they can't handle him either. So you got trouble, Jack. Now watch what this boy said. The Lord 
will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you. And I'm going to take your head from you. And this day I'm going to feed you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Now watch right here. What was David's cause? Watch this. You ready? You ready? You ready? <laughs> that all the earth will know. Just Israel? Just these Philistines? Just the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Amorites? No. That all the earth will know what? That there is a God in Israel. Now, you know the rest of the story. He jack slapped that guy, put him on the ground, cut his head off, chased the army down, killed the rest of them. Right? What was David's cause? David's cause is he said, I'm going to shut you up and I'm going to kill you. So that all the earth will know that the Lord God is, that there's a God in Israel. All right? Now watch this. David was a servant of God. He couldn't be a child of God because the first chapter of John tells you that that wasn't even available until after Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected. You'll come to find out somewhere around verse 12 that it says... That he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. But for as many as believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. All right. So, what's our cause? Come on. What is our cause? See, Brother Nate has been hammering this thing, and I love it. You know, I like it. I mean, Beat on me with the word. That's right. That's what I like. I'm in there. See, you've been talking about your identity in Christ. Well, see, here's the problem we've got. See, we've got what I like to call cupcake Christianity. Tell them, brother. Tell them. Where we see this picture of this quaint little man carrying a sheep on his on his arm in his and his arm on his shoulder huh you know and then we see this picture of this quaint little man on his cross and you know he's got a wound here and he's got a wound there and what do they do they make the king of the universe look like a sissy let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen I don't know how much end time prophecy you have studied, but if you go to about Zechariah 14, this ain't part of my message, this is just an extra tidbit right here. If you go to Zechariah 14, you're going to come to find out that when the king descends from heaven and when his feet touch the ground, they touch the Mount of Olives. And Zechariah tells us that the Mount of Olives is split east to west and then he moves the two halves north to south. I read that and he showed me that. I said, Lord, you just showing up. I said, was well, it not enough, Lord, that you split the mountain? I mean, completely split a mountain in two and moved the two halves east to west? I said, you're going to go ahead and move the other two? You're just going to go ahead and move them north to south, too? I said, Lord, you just, I love you, Lord. You just show off. That's my king. That's my king. You ever hear that old, you ever hear that old SM Lockhart? The Bible says, 
My king is the king of the Jews. Huh? That's my king. You're talking about a warrior king. He's not this little, meek, and mild, sissy man. No, no. Captain of heaven's armies. Captain of heaven's armies. Exodus chapter 15 tells us that the Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. Well, so what's the greatest demonstration of war that he waged? He came right up in an earth that Satan stole the authority from Adam. Walked up to Satan in the wilderness and said, I'm about to take this thing back. That's right. And you're just going to watch. And there ain't a thing in the world you're going to be able to do. You ever know you could whip somebody? Huh? You ever know you could whip somebody? And you go up to them and you say, if you don't knock it off, I'm about to put it on you and there ain't a thing in this world you can do. I tell you, I get rowdy. Right? So think about this. What's, what's the cause? What is our cause? See, you got to know. You, you, you really got to understand what Jesus did for you. See, that's the cause. What's the gospel worth to you? That's the cause. See, you got to get this. You, you, you know, if you just see this little meek, weak, mild man that, you know, maybe he'll be with me, maybe he won't, you know, and, and all this bunch of junk. No, you're going to have to take confidence that a servant of the Lord could take and say, no, my God's with me. My God's the faithful God. And not only is the Lord God, He's the faithful God, according to Deuteronomy chapter 7, it tells us that He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations right. with those that love Him and fear Him and keep His commandments. So you think about it like this. You just do what He says. No matter where you go, Jesus got your back. You're doing what He says to do when He says to do it. Jesus got your back. But what's our cause? See, it's got your cause has got to be bigger than you. See, that's the thing. See, we got all this emotionally motivating Christianity today. You know what I mean? Well, how does that carry out when the devil done slipped in there and done knocked you flat of your back? What about that? See, no motivational preaching going to pick you up. You're going to have to, that's right, the Word. You're going to have to have the Word in you, and you're going to have to shake that off and get up and say, I'm coming back. Right? So what's the cause? See, there's this awesome thing that goes down in Matthew chapter 16. Mm. Jesus is sitting there with his disciples. He says, who do men say that I am? And they're sitting there and they're like, well, you know, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're like one of the prophets, and some say, others say you're like John the Baptist. And Jesus looked at him, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter looked at him, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's our cause. 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, see that? It, 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 you've got to get deeper into this for it to move you. See that? Because, I mean, that's awesome and that sounds great and all this. But we, but it's got to be personal to you. Right? Individuality gets wrapped, gets lost in the fact that for God so loved the world. Well, he's so, it, it should be this, it should be so personal to you that when you read that verse, it says, For God so loved Jeff Stillen. That's right. Call your name. Amen. Call someone else's name. That's right. For God so loved this person, this person, this person, this person, that junkie that's laying there right now with the needle hanging out of his arm. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. The most precious gift in heaven and in earth. You can search the heaven of heavens. All of the universe. All of the earth. And you can take all of the contents and put them all together. And you don't have anything that compares to the value of the son of the living God. And he did it for you. And for me. Can you see that? What's the gospel worth to you? That's what it's got to come down to, ladies and gentlemen. That is where the cause is found. And it will only grow greater and greater and greater when every day, multiple times a day, you're recognizing what the Lord of heaven and an earth did for you as an individual. You say, well, I don't want to brag on myself. You're saying what God says about you. That's why would you not brag? Hey, look at me. Jesus thinks I'm to die for. I hate this preaching. I hear people saying, Well, you know, brother, I'm just an old worm and just it's God saved me just because he didn't want me to go to hell. That's a lie right straight from the mouth of hell. God saved you because he wants to spend forever with you. Jesus died for you because he wants to spend forever with you. Can you see that? So what's the cause? What's the cause? See, it's got to be personal. It's got to, got to be personal. Jesus said in Matthew 28, you ready for this? Here's our call. But see, it's got to be personal. Jesus said this, you ready for this? All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore. There's the command. There's the charge to the church. There's the, there's the bestowing of the authority of heaven and earth upon the church. Go, therefore. Where? Just, you know, go to church and just sit on your hands. Huh? You know, brother, we just come on down to our church. He didn't say that, did he? Nice, invite people to your church. Don't stop there. Don't stop there. Invite people to other places. Don't stop there. Don't stop there. Share stuff with people. Don't stop there. Is this bigger than West Liberty Church? Is this bigger than Bell Fountain Church? Yes, Whose church is this? I was sitting one time about 10 years ago. I had pulled into a local little store down there where I used to buy sandwiches and snuff. I don't do snuff anymore. But I still eat sandwiches. I stopped in a little store down there in one of the, one of the very first times that I ever heard the voice of God speak to me. I was sitting there eating my sandwich, thinking about getting me a dip of snuff right after I got done eating my sandwich. 
I was not thinking heavenly thoughts. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You ain't glowing 24 hours a day. And this voice, I don't know if it was audible. It was audible to me. Said this. Who are you to withhold my Christ? Oh, come on. Come on. And I sat there and fear struck my, like, I could, I could almost feed on myself a little. <laughs> there ain't no shame in my game for Jesus. And I got scared. I said, I, I haven't done that. But I'll never forget that. Who are you to withhold my Christ? So see, think about this. You that carry the knowledge and you pick and choose who you're going to share it with, when the ones that you pick that you're not going to share it with, guess what? You're, of the living God from that person. You can like that. You can not like that. I don't care. I didn't come here to get applause. I come here to speak a word of the Most High God. Some people like that. Some people don't like that. Don't make me no difference. Guess what? I ain't going to be standing before any of you. I was walking around out here. I was, <laughs> I was walking around out here praying, right? And people probably looked at me and seen my head down and thought, what's wrong with this weirdo? He's, this guy's going to be a dandy. I can tell this. I ain't even spoken nobody. This is nut. He's got a cowboy hat on. You know, I was, this guy's probably crazy. I won't stick around most I won't stick around for this very long. We'll stick around for the worship, you know, because Sister Cheryl and them and you know, they gonna do good and I like them I like their singing. They got some of the best singing in town. I'm gonna stay for their singing, but and I listen Brother Jeff's gonna open and I'll listen to him, but now when Brother Jeff sits down, I ain't listening to that other weirdo. I'm gonna get in my car and go to right? I was walking around out there. I told the Lord, that's the truth. I said, Lord. I'm going to preach this thing like you sitting right in the front row. Like I can visibly see you sitting in the front row. And I'm going to do everything in my absolute. I'm going to give it. I got one shot at this. I'm going to give it everything I got. See, you get one shot at it. You got to give it everything you got. Whatever you do, don't let go. See, that's a road. That's a good colloquial rodeo expression right there. Whatever you do, don't let go. You get your head stomped, get your head kicked in, get your gut stomped out, right? Huh? Don't let go. People shouting at you. You're getting slammed against the fences and whooped all over the place. And that, Don't let go! <laughs> You're going to come find out that's a lot like Christianity because I'm going to tell you something. These storms of life going to come. They're going to jerk you all over this place. They're going to knock you down. Throw you, huh? Come on. That, that, listen, ain't no cupcake Christianity here. Your walk, if your walk as a Christian is all cupcakes and roses, I'm going to question who you're serving. Come <laughs> on. Going to question who you're serving. So whatever you do, don't let go. Come on. There's a cause. See, there's a cause. Now watch this. Again, Mark chapter 16. Jesus said this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will, will, not mine, not mine. Wrong four-letter word. Will follow, not might follow. Will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. That's right. That means you better get ready, baby, because you're going to have to cast out some devils. That's real stuff for today. The devils didn't just go, Oh, well, you know, I'm glad Jesus went to heaven. I'm going to take a 2,000-year vacation. 
I'll say, you know, the devil didn't go, hey, peace out. I'll see you after the millennial reign. Yeah. Like Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I got a cowboy hat on and a big belt buckle. I know who Snoop Dogg is. Right? You ready to live? They'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything daily, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick. They will lay hand will lay hands on the sick. Right. And what? They the recover. sick. Then that's what it means. Amen. Then that's what it means. Right. Did Jesus stutter right there? No. Is he standing there going, Hey, I need a couple more things to say to fill up the sixteenth chapter of Mark? Nope. <laughs> so he's standing there and he said, Hey, uh, you know, so like I'm fixing to go to heaven. Y'all on your own. Good luck. About 50 days, the Holy Spirit's going to be here, but him and God really don't like you very much, so it's going to be tough sledding for you to you get to heaven. I'm really sorry about that. I hope you make it. Huh? And then, what else can I say there? I'm running out of stuff to say. Oh, uh, yeah, and tell him something about, you know, tell him to go to all the world and do something, you know. No, he said, the believing one. The believing ones will do what? The believing ones will lay hands on the sick. And who will recover? Not all the sick. Don't, don't pull yourself. Don't trick yourself. I teach on healing all the time. You get someone that's unbelieving, and you be, be believing, and guess what? They ain't going to be healed. Because you'll come to find out that impossible don't stop God. But unbelief stops him dead in his tracks. Mark chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 13 tells you that Jesus was in his own hometown and he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. So don't get into this nonsense going around saying, I'm just going to lay hands on every sick person, every sick person I lay hands on, I'm going to get healed. No, no, the believing ones. That's why you got to take the word with you and preach the word and teach the word. I don't go pray for anybody if I don't get to spend at least 30 minutes teaching them the word. The believing ones will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, it, there's something funny here. I don't have my notes. I got a Bible right here. <laughs> Man, I get up here and get excited. Get, I, I about forgot where I was at. I about forgot I had a Bible. Right? You just up here shooting, hooting and hollering and shouting and going on. Now watch this. Now ready? You ready for this? Now, see, see, a lot of people are expecting people to believe the Word of God without a witness. They're expecting you to believe a Word without proof. But watch this. You ready for this? You ready for this? Watch this. So then, verse 19 of the same chapter of Mark. Verse chapter 16, start at verse 19. Read this. So then after the Lord was, had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down to the right hand of God. See, his work's done. This is where the church's work starts. Come on. Come on. That's right. But Jesus didn't retire. Come on. He ain't out fishing in heaven going, hey, things are going down there. No. Now watch this. And it says, and they went out everywhere and preached. Now what's that say? The Lord working with them. Doing what? Confirming the word that they preached through what? Accompanying signs. So guess what? You ain't supposed to just ask people to believe the word without presenting them evidence. 
And the old boy, the crowd got crying, quiet right there. He's like, oh my God. This guy's one of those people believes in signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. And I've seen him do it. I have seen him. I have seen him do so much. Huh? I've seen the dead raised. Literally. Not spiritually. Literally. Where you at, Shine Brown? Shine Brown. Where you at? Get up here, Blondie. Come on, Vamanos, where you at? He's up running around there somewhere. Anyway, there's a little blonde-headed girl running around here taking pictures. The very first... ...miracle that I ever saw God work, I was a sinner. I was a lost man. And he raised that little girl from the dead. Raised her from the dead. I, I mean, I, I would have thought that a church that believed the Lord would have, would give a little, would say something a little louder. Raise her from the dead. Turn around and they can see. Wave to the crowd. See, her mom was pregnant, and I spent two weeks worried about how we was going to pay the bills and all this stuff, junk, and everything else, you know. Came home December the 29th at approximately 5.50 p.m. Found her mom weeping in the floor. I said, what's going on? I thought something was wrong. I'm about to go out and kill somebody. I ain't lying to you. I wasn't a nice person. I'm about to take someone out here. It's going to be extremely painful. I got a particular set of skills that I'm fixing to use against you to make you move She said to doctors that she'd had a doctor's appointment that day. She said... The doctor's office called, and all my all my levels have went back to normal. There's no baby. That was December 29th. It was a Friday, 2006. You probably don't remember that day. I remember it very well. I spent all that night worrying, thinking, my God, what have I done? I spent all this time not thinking, you know, not being happy, all this kind stuff. The very next morning, at a straight, riding a straight way of the road, heading to work, I began to talk to God. I said, you know what? I don't know you. I don't know you. But if you're real, and there's anything you can do to help me, I'll give you my word. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes to get right with you. Well, so that Saturday night, I went out and got drunk. And then that Sunday, I was hungover. And then that Monday was the first day of January of 2007. And then the second day of January of 2007, we were at the doctor's office to do a DNC. A lot of you people know what that is. That's where they go out and they take out the parts of the dead baby. And they did an ultrasound to find out what they were going to have to turn up to my end of the bargain. Eli, come stand up for me. Come stand up for me. Look, you see this little boy right here? You see this little boy right here? Handsome, ain't he? Looks just like his daddy. A way better version. All right. The night he was born, his mom was scheduled to go have a C-section. 2.30 in the morning, she got up and she said, Now it's going feel right. I said, you probably nervous. You can sit down she got up, went to the down the hallway to the kitchen, come back. I heard her stop at the bathroom, hall the back of the hallway in the, the bathroom in the hallway there. And then all of a sudden, I hear the god awfulest blood curdling scream you ever heard in your life. And I go running in there, and she's standing in a puddle of blood, look like you've killed a hog. And there's a big clump of something laying in the middle of it. To this day, we don't know what it was. I throw her in the van. We rushed to court. Man, we're praying, 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 praying. 
I know that I know this both of them died. No. What do you do then? Where's your motivational preaching then? Where's the Gaither band singing then? See, if you don't have if you don't have the word of the living God. Got him to the hospital. They rushed her into emergency surgery. They took her in the room prepper. I remember praying, and it felt just like I can tell you. Just anybody here ever catch a ever catch a bug in a cup? I can tell you exactly what that feels like. Because that's exactly what that hospital room felt like. I felt like I was cut off from the hand of the living God. And I was crying, and I was praying. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Fear not, for I am with you. The, all of a sudden the room filled with the presence of the living God. God. Like a mighty rushing wind. Amen. Amen. And he said, he said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. That's right. And I will help you. And I will lift you up with my mighty righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 40, chapter 40, 40 first chapter of Isaiah. And I know right then. See, I went from all of a sudden, I said, I know the Lord is with me. And he'd no sooner than said that, and they knocked on the door. And Eli came out perfectly, scored a, 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 a 9-10 on the app card. And his mother that had, uh, what do they call that, heart condition, you know, where, it, you know, like the RPMs raise way up there all of a sudden, you know, and that means, you know, a tachycardia. Her blood pressure was 120 over 80. And about 90 beats a minute through the entire surgery. Abigail delivered from the power of autism. You don't have to come on. Delivered. Proof. I, I didn't do any of this, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't do any of this. But the living God did. The hand of the living God did. The power of the living God did. What's the call? Now, see, you may say to me, well, you know, you just don't know what I've gone through. You know, you don't understand. My wife left me. And the devil's took half my time with my kids. And I feel like the, he's trying to tear me in two from the inside out. There's still a cause. But I done had to go to jail for something I didn't even do. There's still a cause. But the devil done tried to steal my job. There's still a cause. I don't feel like serving the Lord anymore. They still a cause. Now, see, we got to how, how do we make that personal? See, you got to get you got to make it personal if you're going to overcome these glitches and all this stuff that comes against you. Here's what I like to do. I like to remind myself what Jesus did for me. So, see, you don't get if you really, really, really. Don't really, really study and ask God to show you what took place. You read those pages and you look over what's happened to him and that's all you do. So see, most people think about the crucifixion. How brutal Roman crucifixion was. See, that's not where it started for him, ladies and gentlemen. But see, you've got to get in the Word to know that. See, it started at Gethsemane. Yes. Yes. That's right. When the pressure was so great. Yes. Do you think 
he was not afraid of going to the cross when right. he prayed and said, Father, if there's any other way that we can do this, find another way. But if not, not what I will, but what you will. He wasn't afraid of going to the cross, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Come on, bring this. Come on, bring it. He wasn't afraid of going to that whipping post, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. Yes. But see, before we get there, say, man, I go, whoo! See, you got to understand how this goes down for the Lord. Yes. See, they arrest him in Gethsemane. And that's where they start with him. Then they take him to the council and the high priest. And it says that they blindfolded him. They spit on him. Struck him. Said, prophesy, who's hitting you? Pulled out hunks of his beard. But that's just where it started. Yeah. So you got to understand... What he did for you. So don't get lost in for God so loved the world. As we talk, as we go through the next few minutes of this, I want you to think about you. Everything I think of, I want you to. When I make a point, I want you to think in your mind. In your mind, Lord, you did that for me. You did that for me. So if you don't, you got to know a little something about Roman scourging to understand. That step three for the Lord was they took him to a granite post that was about this high. And they stripped him naked. Then they bent him over double and chained him like this to that granite post. And then they began to beat him with the scourges that had a big handle on it and had leather, big leather braids come off of it. And in those big leather braids is pieces of glass and pieces of sharp stone and wire. And it's wove in there. And when they got done with one side, they unchained him and flipped him over. Now go to Isaiah 52. I want you to see something here. I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. This is what Isaiah... See, because you got to understand, see, he had to fulfill the prophecies. Yes. The things that were spoken yes. about it. Yes. So listen what Isaiah 52 says right here. Isaiah 52, 14 says this. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage... That's the, he, that's the word that meant his face. Was marred more than any man. And his form, that's talking about the rest of his body, more than the sons of men. So think about this. On that granite post, they beat Jesus worse than any human being has ever been beaten. His face, his ears, his nose, his hair, his body, his genitals, every part of him ripped absolutely to shreds. Now, see, that gives you a little bit more understanding when you look and he says, this is my body broken. For who? I didn't work. Stop. But that's not even, that, that, that's only midway through the process here, ladies and gentlemen. See, when you look at 
Historians, oftentimes historians give accounts about the fact that after Roman scourgings, people's intestines fell out. You can see the linings of the intestines. He, he did that for you. He did that. He had to do that for you. He chose to do that for you. And then they take him and they give him a cross that he has to carry. Now see, oftentimes the Bible gets confusing because most people don't teach that you're seeing three realms overlapping each other simultaneously. Right? So there's the kingdom of God. There's the realm of the spirit, which is a real place. That's where Satan and his angels and all of that is. Right? Then there's the realm of the natural, which is everything we see around us. Okay? So in the realm of the natural, you see the master beaten beyond human. He is unrecognizable as a human. You, his own mama couldn't pick him up. And in the natural, they give him a cross to carry. And he begins to go to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Now, in the natural, you see people spitting on him, laughing at him. But see, you really got to step over there and get revelation of the Holy Ghost to understand that in the realm of the Spirit, all of the Satan, all of Satan's kingdom is standing there lining that path to the cross because they think they've got him beat. You'll come find out the Bible says that had the rulers known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He's going that cross. But that ain't even the worst part. See, everything, everything we're talking about here is not even the worst part. They take him up there. They nail him to the cross. And it's brutal. That's not the worst part. He's hanging there about six hours. Still alive. Filleted alive. And he begins to cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God. Well, at that moment, if you don't study the scriptures, you don't know what's taking place. Because in that moment, he's becoming made sin. That's right. Yes. 2 Corinthians 5 and 22 says, he made him a new sin to become made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Yes. So when that's what He's praying about in the garden. Yes. Oh, Father, if there's any other way there for me. Is. Because see, listen, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. when that sin began to hit His body, yes. guess what happened? Yep. For the first time, yes. in time without end, yes. Father is separated from Son, yes. and Son is yes. separated from Father. Yes. Jesus really died spiritually. Yes. yes. Completely separated from his father. No quarter. No special accommodations. 
for you. Yeah. Right. For you. Right. And you might say to me, well, yeah, but that's, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Well, what about Paul? What about Paul? Let's talk a little bit about, let, let, let's talk just a little bit about what Paul went through. This is what he said of himself. He said, in labors, I'm more abundant. In stripes, above measure, the second Corinthians 10. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, I was beat five times with 39 stripes. That's 195. Three times they beat me with rocks. If Paul stopped right there and you began to talk about what you've been through versus what he'd been through, he'd say, they was whooping my hind end everywhere I went. For the gospel. Not for acting like a heathen like a lot of Christians find themselves encountering adversity. Hello, you'll get that later. You'll take appreciation in that later once that. Paul's enduring this for the gospel. Because there's a cause. There is a cause. What's that cause? Go into all the earth. Preach the gospel. Preach the good news. Preach it to people that you like. Preach it to people that you don't like. Because Jesus died just for more people than you and the people you like. Paul said, once they stoned me, not like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. Now Acts only records once. Said I spent a, a day in, uh, in the, and a night in the deep. Now, I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger and not tell you what that means, but I encourage you to take that particular sentence and look up every one of those words in your Greek concordance. Because when you get to a certain part and you read that, you're going to be astonished at what that means. Absolutely astonished. And I ain't telling you. You've got to look it up for yourself. If you want to know, either Brother Green's going to reveal it to you or you're going to have to look it up for yourself. In journeys often, in perils of waters, robbers, my own countrymen, Gentiles, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, amongst false, false brethren, in weariness, toil, sleeplessness, nakedness, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, nakedness, and his daily concern that came for the church. It got so bad for the Apostle Paul that the apostles, the other apostles abandoned him. Do you know that? If you don't know that, you need to know that. Because the other apostles were being self-righteous and abandoned Paul in his greatest time of need. And you come to find out in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen what this says right here. You into this? Starting in verse 16, it says, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged to them. 
This is my verse 17. Says. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. It got so bad for Paul that the Lord Jesus himself had to appear to Paul and say, Hey, man, I know you got, I know it's bad, but I love you and I'm with you. And then people will come back and they'll say, Yeah, but you know, the Lord told Paul he was going to have, he just knew he was going to have, how much he was going to have to suffer for all the stuff he'd done. That ain't what it says. Do you think the blood of Jesus wasn't enough to cleanse Paul's right. sins and Paul had to continue to pay for things that he did? Yep. Come, on. come on. No, 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 no. When he was born again, he was washed clean. The Amen. Lord said, he's going to have to go through a lot for my name's sake. Why? Because he was carrying 14 books of the New Testament and he didn't even know it. Yes. Is there a cause? What is your cause? Yeah, but, man, life done hit me hard. I understand. Yeah, but, man, I, you just don't know what I'm going through. Maybe I don't, but Jesus does. I'm going to end with this. I only feel like I've preached about five or ten minutes. I don't know how long I'm going to end. Lived through a lot in my life. A lot of hell. And about 90% of it, I didn't ask for. About 90% of it was product of environment, circumstances, and situations. Bad choices that you didn't know were bad choices, but ended up being bad choices. But I got to a situation about four and a half years ago that was the absolute worst thing I'd ever had to go through in my life. And pretty much everybody abandoned me. Except for my buddy Mike, who's probably watching right now. And I remember sitting in a 2002 gray Ford F-250 super cab. And I pulled down to Briar Creek Park. I hadn't hardly eaten in days. Pulled down there. I went to McDonald's. I got me a 10-piece chicken nugget meal and some french fries. I pulled down there at the park. I was sitting there. I dipped that, I dipped that chicken nugget in the sauce in my lap. And that song, Ever Be, came on. Your love's devoted like a ring of solid gold. And I began to cry, and I told the Lord, you know what? I done lived through 36 years of hell on this earth. I don't know who my daddy is. I ain't got no family other than my kids. Everything has went to hell. The devil's trying to take my job. The devil's trying to destroy my ministry. I, didn't, I don't know what to do. I'm done. I'm done. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm sick of being here. I don't want to be here anymore. I want you to take me home. I want to come home to be with you. I don't want to be here anymore. I had enough of this. And you know what? It was just like 
the king of the universe opened the door, the passenger side door, that old 2002 F-150. It's just like he climbed right in there, wrapped his arms around me. This is what he said to me. He said, Rocky, he said, your children need you. And he said, I have people that you must talk to. See, I needed to know there was still a cause. There's still a cause. It may look like all manner of hell is breaking loose all across your life. But there's still a cause. I needed to know that I was needed. See, people walk around here talking about, well, you know, the Lord don't need me. I'm just worthless, blah, blah, blah. You know, I can prove to you that that's a lie right straight from the mouth of hell. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you come to find out that the head cannot say to no part of the body, I have no need of you, who's the head? Are you a part of the body? Then he cannot stand and say he has no need of you. So you ought not to say... The Lord has no need of you because if you say that and he don't say that about you, you're calling him a liar. You need to know there's a cause. There's a cause. That's got to be personal. Now these beautiful singers are going to start. And I'm going to shut this mic off and I'm going to go down front. And if there's anybody that needs prayer for anything, you come. You come. And the Lord will heal you, set you free, meet you where you're at, and give you what you need. He will. He will. It ain't got nothing to do with me. He will.